We are recording this Carrington podcast during the COVID-19 crisis of 2020. And no doubt people will someday look back at this time, the things that people write and post and discuss to gain a historical understanding of this pandemic. And one thing is for sure, it's affected everyone. And in fact, we're doing this first live Zoom podcast in order to adapt the things that we normally do. So I wanna welcome those who are with us that this is being recorded. Thanks for being here and jumping in. We look forward to some questions from you all later on this subject. Uh, since the order from the governor of Pennsylvania on Thursday, March 13th, most public schools in Pennsylvania after a brief, brief two week vacation have entered into completely uncharted waters educating students online if they are doing that at all. Uh, private and charter schools have essentially followed this route. And more recently, the announcement also came that schools will now be closed in Pennsylvania for the remainder of the year, as far as we know now. Schools around the country have obviously been affected as well to one degree or to another in similar fashion. And we should note too that in some places like the Philadelphia area school district, um, there is, my, my understanding is literally no instruction happening. Um, it's just finished for the year. Um, but in most districts, many districts, there is some version of alternate remote instruction and in most places. You are listening to the Karen 10 podcast where we bring our alumni inside Karen University. Well, given that thousands of our alumni, like millions across the globe, have been thrust into a new position for a lot of them as home educator. I figured we ought to do a podcast to discuss some strategies for home education. Charlotte Gleason is an alum and is also a faculty member in the School of Liberal Arts and Sciences. She has taught English in the public, private, and virtual space at the secondary level, and she teaches online and in person at the collegiate level at Cairn. A lot of us are looking for more in-person instruction and longing for those days these days. So it's good to have both. Currently, she also teaches middle school composition at her children's school two days a week. This spring, she's finishing up writing a composition textbook for Veritas Press. She and her husband, Jamie, who's also an alum, have three children, and she has experience with homeschool education as well. So uh, experience in a wide variety of educational delivery, delivery modes. Because of all this, she seemed a really ideal person to have joined this podcast for this particular issue. So thank you, Charlotte, for taking time out of your unusually perhaps now busy and convoluted schedule as many of us are facing. Thanks for spending some time with us here today. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So um, Charlotte, there seems to be to get us started off, I, I thought I would ask, there are kind of two schools of thought on this current situation. With some, and thinking about from the parent perspective first, parents taking things in some cases pretty lightly. Uh, lots of districts have essentially said grades don't count or uh, you know, largely they do not count. And some on the other hand are really doubling down on this time, maybe even getting a little bit anxious about their kids' performance. Mm -hmm or their lack of performance or where they're going to be with their learning and, and really uh, feeling uh, pretty intense about this situation. Which approach or perhaps another approach would you recommend, particularly as we focus a lot of this on instruction in the home and the part of parents? How do you see that? So I think that's a great question. And I think that we tend to look at it as, okay, do I need to be relaxed here? Um, some schools are going pass fail, so does it really matter? 
or some of us are going over the top. I don't want my child to fall behind. But I think the most important question to ask is actually, what is your child learning? I don't think it's about the grade or, or the, you know, what we're, we're not doing or are doing, but what is your child learning? Is your child still learning? And when you think of the idea of learning, that opens up a huge world to them. They can certainly learn outside of the classroom. And I think, I know for me, there was part of me that was like, oh, I'm going to get my kids ahead. Um, I'm a little type A sometimes, but I had to pedal back and I was like, you know, this is a great time to reinforce, to, to work on mastery instead of, it goes so fast sometimes in their curriculum. And I just think the focus on savoring where they're at, retaining those skills and then basics, have them read. If they're not readers, get them to read in some way, shape or form. Um, work for reinforcing and mastery instead of trying to get them ahead and look at that whole world around them of life skills. Um, and I'll talk about that later, but man, there's so many other ways to learn than just what's in a conventional schoolroom. Mm. So maybe we can kind of start the discussion really broadly um, and then we'll get much more practical. Sure. What are some of the opportunities that parents should be capturing during this time to avoid just viewing this as a time to do school tasks, particularly? Uh, versus, you know, a unique opportunity to impact the whole learner. You already alluded to some of that, like with, you know, reading and, 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 and maybe working toward instilling a love of uh, mm -hmm. reading and actually spending time in that. But do you see any other kinds of, uh, or expanding on those really broad opportunities that this might present outside of the day-to-day, -day, we've got to accomplish this number of tasks because this is what's on the syllabus or whatever yeah. the teachers are providing? Yeah, so I'm going to start by, by a disclaimer. I love a good list. I love a good list. Like, it's my favorite, to a fault. So my poor kids are, have been kind of listed to death. And I had to step back being, you know, when I started thinking of all the things that they were going to do and needed to accomplish, and even what their school was asking them to do, I had to think, okay, what are some opportunities? What can I do to take advantage of this time? One thing is life skills. You know, our kids are so busy <laughs> that some of the life skills that maybe some of us had when schedules were a little less busy, they're not learning. During this time, my son has learned to make a pizza. Like he can make it and he even mm. cleans it up. For a 14-year-old boy, awesome. He makes it from scratch. Um, my husband has allowed him to drive safely and carefully in our yard. We have a big yard. <laughs> but things that we would never think of that he grew up doing. Um, so this is a great time for life skills. Get your kids cleaning, give them purpose outside of just schoolwork, other things that they can learn. And you know, the other thing is conversation. Like you're probably eating with us, we're eating like three meals a day. This is so unique. And all the research says eat meals with your family. Well, here you go. Like put the phones down, practice conversation. If it's really awkward, you can find lists of conversation starters. Use them if you have to and practice just the art of conversing. And the other one, and anybody who knows me is going to laugh right now, but rediscover the outdoors. I'm a little bit, all my students are always like, Mrs. Gleason is going to tell us to go outside. If it's sunny, she's going to say, go do your work and then go get some vitamin D. But seriously, it's probably one of the best places to be right now. In, in a lot of different capacities. 
Um, I have never gone on so many walks with my children and they're willing to. So take advantage of these times. Um, and finally, I would say it's a really great time to work on establishing good habits and disciplines, whether it's having devotions or how to study or how to exercise and get into a daily routine. I know that sounds really kind of like firm and strict, but usually we don't have time for this. And so these are really great things that you can kind of, uh, that we've been working with our children and it's just, they don't have anything else to do. <laughs> so it's really a great opportunity to work on those things. Yeah, yeah, those are great. Um, I'd like to hear more later about the driving in the yard. That one sounds... <laughs> It was very safe. <laughs> oh, very safe, right. <laughs> very. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one other thing I was thinking, you were talking there, it just occurred to me this morning, you know, obviously everybody's situation is different during the COVID pandemic, but also before. But, you know, the standard perspective is that, um, you know, generally people spend a lot more time with their work, coworkers, and, and the people that they work with than they do their families. This situation, I think, has flipped that for just about seems almost everybody, even though you're working during the day, um, but you're still among your family members and there's a lot more interaction, you know, uh, in that. So that's interesting. And I think you're right to take advantage of that. Um, that's occurred to me a number of times. In fact, the call you and I were on the other day for the, uh, the poetry and short story winners. Mm -hmm. I appreciated what you said. And I alluded to that here too. I've been thinking that as well about what's written right now is really significant. People are it so is. Uh, capture this, the, the significance of this time. Because mm -hmm. History is going to look back at this time and be really curious about how people were processing it and yeah. kind of things. So this could be a really rich time for families too. Yeah. And that's something that I would say that is actually really exciting to me. So I homeschooled before and you have so much influence on your kids when you homeschool, sometimes to an unhealthy degree. <laughs> but you can reestablish the influence you have on your child's life right now. How many times have your children come home and you're like, oh, where did you learn that? Or I wasn't ready for you to hear that. And you have this incredible, unique opportunity to be like, hey, right now I have the opportunity to be the biggest influence in your life because I'm here and we can't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and let's take advantage of that, reestablish that influence. You know that you had, you know, when you were, they were four, you had so much influence and then you lose yeah. it. So how can you reestablish that? But. Right. So how about speaking of kids, you know, let's say you have multiple kids. Mm -hmm. um, it, are there any ways that if we think about like elementary students versus middle or high school, or even just two of those groups, whichever you prefer, are there any ways that you would provide advice for people educating at home in this situation? the differences for how you might do that with a middle schooler versus a high schooler. Are there any things that, you know, generally you might want to be thinking about this is probably going to be a bigger issue for the elementary kid than versus the high school kid. Some of that's kind of obvious, I know, but what do you think about that? Absolutely. So um, some of you are working, you know, some of us, I know I'm working, my husband's working from home and we're navigating trying to school at the same time as um, everything else. And one thing I've noticed, so I have an eight-year-old son who's elementary, and I've really noticed with him is that, and I knew this about him, is he, they're just going to need more of our attention. You know, they're going to need more of our attention. Um, we can't just let the screens babysit them. It's not good for them. And eventually, believe it or not, they're going to get sick of it. And because they haven't moved around, they're going to, you're going to get, it's going to be payback. <laughs> mm -hmm. At some point, it's going to be payback. 
So I think, though, what, they need structure. Um, any research you look at for, for kids, especially the younger, the more structure helps them. And if you're not a structured person, that's not, a, I'm not criticizing you, but it's, they're used to structure in school. If they go to school, they are used to structure. So how can you give them some kind of structure that works with your family, especially for younger kids? Also, structure in, part of that structure can be, okay, you know, I'm going to spend time with you right now. I think spending time with them right away in the morning kind of fills their cup to spend time with you. And then say, here's your schedule. Um, I think both elementary and high school can kind of work together to say, what's your day going to be like and talk through it. But with an elementary child, allow them to play. There is so much research. There are curriculums in school that are trying to introduce more play into curriculums because they have found it is such a problem when children don't play developmentally for them. And that, I mean, embrace that. Like I have in my office is in part of my bedroom. So my son, my eight-year-old son, while I'm teaching online, I have a huge bin of Legos. We do a little schoolwork and then I say, okay, you have from, from nine to 10 to play with Legos. And he looks at me like, for real? And I'm like, yeah, for real. And, I, and he, it's like he's getting away with something. But it's great. It's great for them. So high school's different, um, secondary, and that's usually what I work with. And honestly, developmentally, they need, they really crave and kind of need to be around their peers more. What does that look like in a time of social distancing is really tricky. A lot of students are doing Google Chat or Google Classrooms. And something that I've been a lot more lenient about is allowing them to text throughout the day. And anybody who knows me again is like, you let your children text? What, Mrs. Gleason? <laughs> but they really need that. They really need that. And so I like to have them, I, I monitor, you know, it's all recorded. I can see it. But they would be talking to their peers in a certain, you know, during school. So I think that social interaction is really important for them, more than it is important for the elementary children. And I also think they need to take more ownership, the secondary students, of what's your day going to be look like, you know, what's it going to look like, what do you need to accomplish, starting off the day, giving them goals, and also kind of giving them something to look forward to. You know, let's do this, and then, yeah, you can play a video game, or mm -hmm. I'll play you in basketball, whatever it is. I think incentives really work well with any age level, but they look different depending on, you know, what you're going to incentivize an eight-year-old as opposed to a 14-year-old. So does that answer? I feel like that was good. Yeah, yeah, it really does. No, <laughs> I mean, it's so broad. There's tons of things you could say, uh, but I, I think you hit a lot of really uh, practical and insightful things there. And I, heard, I was listening to, you know, a lot of us were listening to people give input on this. And, and one thing that I heard that I thought, yeah, this is very obvious, but is a good reminder to us as parents, because we have to deal with so many different things as parents. But we may not think of this, but allowing our children to verbalize their feelings, you know, oh, yes. and to say, you know, this is really disappointing. And I wish that I could go back to school and I miss this or that with my friends. So having that kind of catharsis uh, or maybe not catharsis, but like the sort of a, a time to express those things. Yeah. Uh, you know, we as adults, we're just used to handling those things and managing that. Um, but for kids, they really need the chance to express a lot of those things. And that might really help um at any age but probably particularly at that younger age yeah absolutely so much disruption to their little world so mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. so practically then um yeah really practical so yeah. Uh, 
when you and I were talking about this uh, in terms of tips, a lot of people, you know, probably know the basics that, you know, it's good to have a space and you alluded to schedule, which is, which is really good and really, uh, really important. But as you've been dealing with this yourself, talking with other people and from an educational and pedagogical perspective, are there any other practical tips that you would give parents if, uh, you know, if somebody were listening to this later on after we, we release it? Uh, what are a few things that you would suggest for, for yeah. them at this time? So I just want to start by, by, you know, I'm coming across like the professional who knows everything. And so you're probably envisioning this seamless, the Gleason household just works like a fine mm. oiled machine. It does Like not, the Von Trapp family, right? Like it, that, like, that is not everybody. the case. <laughs> we have a lot of very strong personalities. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, my husband and I sometimes are surprised by how belligerent our children are. And then we look at our personalities and we're like, why are we surprised by that? Look at us. So a couple practical things that helped me and also helped me if I was teaching in a regular classroom. Some students, it really helps them to actually listen to music. Um, and obviously you can be discerning about what music, but even elementary school students who say, okay, while the music's on, we're gonna work for a little bit. That's one just real small, very accessible thing to have to kind of focus on things. The other thing that I've noticed with so many online activities, I feel like we're online to death and even mm -hmm. my kids are like tired. You really, I would ask the teacher sometimes, hey, can I have the picture option? In other words, can they fill this out or handwrite this or draw a picture? Can I take a picture of it and send it to you? Teachers are very open to that because of the fact that your kids are on screen so much, it's really good, especially for the elementary school teachers, if you have the option to let them do something tactile and other than a computer and take yeah. a picture of it, take advantage of that when you can. Take advantage of that when you can. The other one is to be, to set time limits. To say, remember, they're used to schedules in a school. So if you're saying, okay, I want you to work on this subject from nine to 10, this subject from 10 to 11, and then I'm going to build in a study hall. So you have an hour every day where you can choose whatever homework assignment you need to do. And then that's, that's, you can make that choice there. And that's worked really well with my um, children as well. If you are running out of activities for your elementary school kids, because they're just kind of going crazy and you're maybe you're trying to navigate a lot of things. Um, I'm going to sound like an English nerd, but I believe this with my whole heart. Uh, find some really great books, some books that you love, even if you're not a reader. You can email me, I will give you a list. There's, you can look online for book, great books to read out loud and start reading a book with your child. Uh, you'll be amazed at it. I really think if you're consistent and do it, you'll be amazed at just how that adds structure. And there's something very natural about a parent reading to his or her child. So those are just some things um, that we do. And also I mentioned this before, allowing them to take part of a schedule. I hate Excel spreadsheet, but my husband loves it. Mm -hmm. So he kind of navigated and put in when they had classes or the things they had to do with their school. We print them out and then every morning, the kids and I go over, mm -hmm. okay, this is your schedule. How else do you want to fill this in? What do you want to do? When do you want to play? When do you want to have um, text to your friends or a little free time? And that's been really helpful for us to go through in the morning with that, that sheet and just have them take ownership of that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Have you, have you found in general that uh, 
kids, your kids, but also others too, respond pretty well to choice. In other words, when we can, when it's, when it's, there's some things we don't give them a choice about. When we can, to give them the opportunity to have control over those things, it seems that they're more invested in the schedule or whatever else it is. Yeah. A hand in it, which is kind of what we want them to do. We want them to make wise choices. We want them to pick mm-hmm. parameters, but um, yeah. it seems like that's that's another approach. Absolutely, yeah. And you, don't, I mean, you don't want to go crazy. If you're too open ended, they're they're going to be a little right. lost with that, or they're going to take advantage of it. Yeah. But I think some choices are really helpful, and for them to see, okay, you're going to work hard from this time, but look what's coming. Um, you know, that's like kids in school who are like, I can't wait. I'm going to work hard till lunch and then I'm going to play hard, you know, during recess, like yeah. it's a very similar thing. And they're going to see you in a similar fashion that you work and you take breaks and that's kind of the natural flow of things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, at this point, let's uh, pause. And I wanted to see if we could um, see if any of the people who've joined us here, will take a little quick breather to, um, get some questions. If you have a question that you'd like to have posed to um, our guest, go ahead and text that to Spencer, or not text, rather chat in the chat, and <laughs> yeah. we'll see. But anything, any question on this subject that you have, or anything that you've heard us talking about that you want to hear a little bit more about. So I'll, I'll pause for a few seconds to see if we get any, any in. Great. All right, we have one here, Charlotte. Uh, do you have any suggestions for family devotions or other spiritual development at this time? Yes. So one thing I already alluded to is we've, it's been very good for me too, in a busy schedule sometimes, one of the first things to do is the discipline of devotions and just spending time. Um, and not to sound trite and saying we need this more than, than ever, but, but we, it's really a great time to establish these disciplines. So part of our schedule is we, we tell our kids, we want you to get up in the morning. Um, we have a time Monday through Friday where we say, you get up, you're out of your pajamas. We sound like tyrants. We're not, we let them sleep. We let them, you know, have some flexibility here, but we try to keep, you know, a, a set schedule throughout the week. And we, have them each have they each have devotional books I don't have the names on me right now I'm sorry but we each did invest in a devotional book that was age appropriate for them and we that's part of what we ask them to do is to say every morning this is part of your morning routine find a place have your devotions before anything else so the other thing that we have really been committed to is every night we um, all pile together on our bed we can still fit, so we do it. And we've been very consistent about saying praise and prayer requests, which is really simple, but it's been actually really precious in the past few weeks to hear our children processing through this, finding things to praise, even though sometimes it feels really difficult to do that, but also prayer requests. We've really encouraged them to stop thinking about just them, but praying for others. And so that's been, I think, something that's been very, very sweet with that. 
and other spiritual development. Probably some of the greatest spiritual development we've had with our older two has been taking walks with them and really just asking them questions about how they're doing. And Nate, you alluded to just allowing them to process what's going on and asking them some questions. And I think walking, it's like driving in the car. You know, those great conversations you have when you drive in the car. I think walking is like the COVID-19 version of that. And taking time to do that, I think is just think of some questions that you want to follow up and ask. Um, I know they sound really simple. There's nothing really fancy, but I think what's been helping and what this time has allowed us is to be really consistent with having your devotions in the morning, ending the night with praise and prayer request. And that's been a really good way to open and close our days. Yeah. That's great. So, so we'll, uh, leave it open for some uh, questions from any other listeners for another minute here. Um, But as we're waiting to see if there's any of those, let me throw this one out to you, uh, Charlotte. Are are there any resources that you can think of that uh, you would recommend people check out during this time, whether it's books or other podcasts or um, um, online resources Mm -hmm. that you help provide more information and support in this? So I think because I have a homeschooling background, I'm always looking for free resources <laughs> because that's kind of how homeschoolers roll. <laughs> free resources that are really good. Um, but one thing that's been great is Audible books. Are There's a lot you can have free. They've offered a whole plethora and they give age levels. So my youngest son and really my other two listen to books on CD and sometimes Lewis will listen to that. That's He's my youngest while he's playing with Playmobil or Legos. And I think that's just a really good way to kind of really help their auditory listening and engage them in stories. Um, the other one is, so some of my teaching online is through Veritas, which is a classical online school. And they're actually offering free self-paced courses that are appropriate for ages eight on up. And they're free for 60 days and they've been a lifesaver mm-hmm. um, in some instances. They're engaging, they're interactive. It is on a computer. So it is another thing on a computer, but they're really well done and they're, they, they automatically check and assess and it, it, it feels very organized and it feels like proper. Okay. So like Lewis is doing um, history. He just learned about the Monroe doctrine and he's retaining a lot and he really, he enjoys it. So that's another resource. So if you go to places, um, I just looked up one, it was called organizedhomeschool.com. What a name, I know. But they had um, schedules that homeschooling parents use. And if some of you feel lost about what does a schedule look like, there were even schedules on there from working parents who homeschool on a regular basis. (laughs) And it might be really helpful for you to see how do they do it? And, and if you're looking for structure and floundering a little bit, because I know a lot of schools haven't provided a set schedule, this might be a way to help you um, set your day as well. Um, yeah, so if you are wanting your child to, um, as the, the English teacher, the composition teacher in me, this would be a great time to teach a child how to, um, to write. I know, listen to me, because they're going to come to me in English comp, and I want them to be ready. (laughs) But um, 
The Lively Art of Writing by Lucille Payne, Vaughn Payne. The Lively Art of Writing is an excellent little book, very accessible. It's a little dated, but it's, it's so good to just teach students how to write an essay. And it's engaging and it's practical. You read it, there's questions, and it's really good content. So um, mm. that just might be something you want to order and say, hey, we're just going to work on this because I want you to, to learn how to write a little bit better. So. Yeah, those are just a few. That's great. Yeah. And we're going to have a way for people, uh, if they comment on the podcast later on, uh, to win a free copy of one of those resources. So that will be a great yeah. to give one of those away. Of course, right. if they're already free, then we won't. <laughs> it's not. Uh, one final question from uh, some people who've joined in the conversation here. Uh, what kind of rewards do you provide for the learners? And... Um, this question, part two, I guess, is how do you negotiate schedules when they indicate that their brains are just fried? And I guess when you have uh, at-home learners who are just at the top of what they can handle, yeah. and you know, I know I've experienced this myself where kids are throwing their hands up the air like, no more school, no more work in this no, circumstance. Um, how, do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So the first question, um, incentive, I think, and I didn't say this earlier, is you really, you know your children hopefully better than anyone else does. And you, for our children, because we were, um, I was pretty strict about screen time. Um, I know, again, people are laughing at me. Um, so it's very ironic that they're on screens like all the time now. But we're very careful like with video games um, and movies and anything like that. So for our kids, we have, we used to not have any screen time during the week. We have said, okay, um, if you, they, they all have uh, uh, Fitbits. So we say, okay, if you are at 13,000 steps, you've finished your schoolwork, you've got 30 minutes, 40 minutes of screen time that you can have. For our kids, that works. I know some of you are like, really? But um, if you deprive them long enough of something, <laughs> they really like it. Um, some other things, I think it's also the age. Uh, you know, my youngest son will work if you say, hey, like, is there a, he likes Playmobil a lot. So we said, okay, if you, you know, set these goals, if you had a good week at school, um, then maybe we can add to your Playmobil selection. And I know some people are like, that's so materialistic. It is, but at the same time, to me, it's something he's going to play with, which I, and very want to affirm and it's also something other than screen time which I want to affirm as well but you know what else we've noticed that our kids actually want to spend time with us because I think they're just starved for spending time with anyone so we also do a lot of incentive like get your work done and we'll play a family game of basketball get your work done and we'll go for a car ride and walk around a town that's just someplace different you know so things like that have been really helpful but I think you, you're, you need to know your child <laughs> and you need to just say, this is really helpful. But I think that um, we've really noticed a difference when I say, when I set goals for them or they help me set goals. Like, so, you know, if you get 30 minutes of doing this, then you get 30 minutes of doing that and, and just really hold them to that. So I, I feel like that was kind of a lame answer, but that's, that's what I've got right now. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I hope I answered oh. it enough. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I think that's great. And I really appreciate hearing you say that too. I, one of the things that, you know, uh, my wife and I have observed is, you know, we say very tritely, you know, every kid is different, every family is different, but 
it really is true. And, and I think it's important for anybody to keep that in mind when you're dealing with your kids, because what motivates your children may not be what motivates another uh, family's children. Um, and, you know, if we're coming from the right perspective, we're just trying to know our kids well, provide the right guidance and insight. So, um, you know, these are tips. And if you spend a lot of time on Facebook, which, you know, uh, that may or may not be valuable, but you're going to see a lot of different things. And you may say that would never work for my family. Those are not my kids, not how my kids are motivated, but um, that's not our job to motivate other people's children and to deal with them unless you're a teacher. Yeah. Um, we're trying to shepherd our own kids and also care for our brothers and sisters in, in Christ and support them. But um, so I appreciate what you said very much. Yeah. And there's no bullet with that. Yeah. And I didn't speak to the burnout because it's very real. It's very mm. real. And so, yeah, we have these schedules and we have good intentions, but I build in, I build in flex time to those schedules. Like I think they have to see in their schedules, we call it resource because that's what they call it in school. Resource mm -hmm. is basically a time. It's like a study hall, a structured study hall where the teachers really walk them through. But I'll put like resource outdoor time. And I can't stress enough. There's been times when my son, especially my oldest son, who has the most work, you can tell he's just, he's in his head. And I'll just say, okay, take a break. He'll be like, mom, I don't have my work done. I'm like, that's okay. You know, go outside for 30 minutes and come back and he's a different person. Sometimes he doesn't want to go outside for 30 minutes. So sometimes it means I'll walk with you for 30 minutes, even though I don't have time to walk with you for 30 minutes. I'm going to walk with you for 30 minutes and then you're going to come back and your energy levels, you're going to be able to do this. So I would say if you find that your child is, is burnout, first of all, find what time they're the most productive. Obviously, if it's one o'clock in the morning, that's a problem. Mm. But what are they the most productive? front load their schedule. If they need to sleep in because they're doing better, this is a great time. Sometimes a lot of adolescents take advantage, let them sleep in, let them sleep into 10 o'clock. If they're then going to work really well from 10 to four, great, then let them do it. Um, but build in, even they see that schedule, show them in that schedule. You have some time in that schedule where you can make some choices. You can take a break. You can, we want you to move around it's not healthy to be sitting in front of a computer all day at all. It's not healthy for adults. It's certainly not healthy for children. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks for being here, Charlotte, taking time Thank with you. you. Also, to those of you who have joined in to listen, we'll make sure that a copy of this podcast, of course, is available as always as a regular podcast for those who didn't have the opportunity to join in live. And uh, feel free to comment on the podcast wherever you see it posted. As I mentioned, if you do, we will enter you into a drawing to win a free copy of one of the resources that Charlotte mentioned, whichever one you would select and is not already free. She already mentioned that are free, so take advantage of those. Um, but I also wanted to take this opportunity in the meantime to remind anybody listening to this to follow the Cairn social media channels. We have several alumni channels, we have main channels. Um, and I would say more than ever, you're gonna see a number of opportunities to feel connected to the university to see helpful resources, to hear from faculty and staff. Of course, our president is frequently providing a variety of insights that I think you will find uh, very helpful, insightful, and uh, possibly even comforting too. So I hope that you'll check those out. And if you're interested, stay tuned for Charlotte Gleason's own Aaron Penn. Thanks for listening. All right. Go for it. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> Here we go. Who is your favorite professor? Mark Jalovic.
Stop. It's one word answers. Stop it. M- Jalabic. How's that? <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Mark Jalabic. But, uh, which book did you read during your time that had the greatest impact on you? Ooh. Antony and Cleopatra by William Shakespeare. Um, what spot on campus do you remember the most fondly and why? Field hockey field because I loved playing. Loved it. Which class rocked you most at the core? And you do get a kind of because follow up on this one because it's a little more involved. Poetics with Dr. Taves because I was so excited to see the Bible as literature. That was really exciting for me. Who was your first roommate? It's complicated because I was a WWCer. Uh, Mary Beth Loney, Mary Beth Moore now. So there you go. (laughs) What was your favorite non-academic related thing to do while you were a student here? Sports, intramural and formal. So, Which food in the cafeteria was your go-to? Toast. (laughs) (laughs) What was your favorite off-campus spot to go with friends? Parks. What did you miss most after you graduated? Uh, The community. The the community, yeah. Mm -hmm. And lastly, what is the one thing about Cairn that you hope will never change? It's mission. Yeah, it's mission. Ladies and gentlemen, Charlotte Gleason's own (laughs) 10. Thank you.